Welcome back to Plane Crash Diaries with me, your host and pilot, Des Latham. This is episode 27. We're focusing on the US Bangla Airlines Flight 211 crash. It came in too high and too fast at Kathmandu Airport on the 12th of March 2018, then slid off the runway and burst into flames. 51 of the 71 on board died, including both aircrew. Of all the accidents I've covered so far, this has to be one of the worst examples of cockpit resource mismanagement. It verges on a suicide flight, particularly the last two minutes, as you're going to hear. There was an unusual and intense psychological undercurrent that caused this accident. We've all been in situations of stress while aviating, but the emotional trauma on the flight deck that day was beyond reasonable. You'll also feel some sympathy, not just for the passengers killed by crew and their erratic emotional behavior, but also First Officer 25-year-old Pratula Rashid, who was the first woman airline pilot hired by the Bangladeshi airline. Her senior partner appeared to let her and the passengers down. This is another of those terrible stories of what-ifs. It's also an example of when a highly experienced pilot and an inexperienced pilot work together, coupled with cultural quirks. The aircraft was a Bombardier Q400 with a capacity of 76 and registered as aircraft S2 Alpha Golf Uniform. It was first delivered to Scandinavian Airlines in 2001 and flown by three other airlines before being purchased by US Bangla Airlines in 2014. It had already been involved in another runway excursion in 2015 at Saipur and the trip off the Macadam damaged its undercarriage. At the time of the Kathmandu crash, the aircraft had logged just under 29,000 takeoff cycles over 21,419 hours and its maintenance log was up to date. The aircraft on that day was carrying 65 adult passengers, two children and four crew. 33 packs from Nepalese, 32 from Bangladesh, one from China and one from the Maldives. The captain of the flight was 52-year-old Abid Sultan, who was a former Bangladesh Air Force pilot. He had 22 years of flying experience and more than 5,500 hours of flight time, 1,700 of these flying the Q400. He had worked for US Bangla since 2015 and was also an instructor and Q400 Czech pilot for the airline. It was his time as an instructor that could have partly contributed to this accident. Captain Sultan had flown into Kathmandu more than 100 times. What set up this incident was that the captain had resigned from the airline just before this flight. Instead of replacing him immediately, the Bangla Code of Conduct meant he had to continue working until he departed from the airline. This was despite some significant allegations made against him. The first officer was 25-year-old Pratula Rashid, who had been honoured as the first woman to be made a pilot at the extremely conservative Bangladesh airline. She joined in 2016 and had a total of 390 hours of flight experience 240 hours on the aircraft type, Bombardier. It was her first flight into Kathmandu. Most modern airlines expect the first officer to have at least 1,500 hours before they're let loose on a commercial operation. Although in low-cost airlines around the world, this unwritten rule has been broken, particularly over the past decade. All appeared normal on this flight as it departed Shahjala International Airport at Bangladesh capital Dakar at 0651 on the morning of 12th of March 2018. Flight number BS211 was a regular scheduled trip to Tribhuvan International Airport in Kathmandu, Nepal, operating four times a week between the two cities. At 0810 UTC, First Officer Rashid contacted Kathmandu Approach, 
who cleared the plane to descend to 13,500 feet and then enter a holding pattern at a specified navigational waypoint. Long approach delays are common at Kathmandu and it was quite busy already on that day. The airport lacked capacity and during high volumes of landings and takeoffs, entering a holding pattern was not unusual. Since they were slightly ahead of schedule, the pilots expected the delay to last several minutes, so they discussed the navigational elements of the holding pattern and configured the flight management system in preparation. However, before the aircraft had arrived at the holding point, the approach controller then cleared the flight to descend and proceed directly to the approach for runway 02. Because the two crew were also discussing the captain's predicament, which you'll hear more about in a moment, they were caught napping. The pilots did not reconfigure the flight management system for the approach, so when the aircraft arrived at the next waypoint, the autopilot began a left-hand turn of the aircraft as it had been configured for the holding pattern. Captain Sultan realized that the plane was turning away from the intended course and quickly changed the heading selector to a course that would intercept the correct approach and manually selected the rate of descent. These manual inputs disengaged the flight management system that automatically controlled the course and rate of descent and things began to go very wrong very quickly. First, they'd lost situational awareness and that showed up during the hurried landing checklist where the captain said landing gear was down and locked, but it wasn't. And now, because they were flying manually, the rate of descent was too slow and the plane broke its numbers. They were hundreds of feet too high. First Officer Rashid tried to get the captain to increase the descent rate. She kept saying that they were 500 to 600 feet too high on approach. The captain did nothing initially. Then the gear unsafe alert tone began to sound, but neither pilot did anything about it, at least initially too. Their attention was focused on trying to adjust to the correct altitude. Then they became distracted by audible warnings. At the same time, the plane was drifting off course, flying far to the right of the approach path. The captain put the plane into a steep dive at rates as high as 1,700 feet per minute, which added to the confusion. Then the first officer noticed that the landing gear was not down and lowered it, but by this time the aircraft had already passed the runway and neither pilot saw it. The tower did see the error and contacted the flight crew, informing them that they were clear to land on runway 02, but they appeared to be heading to runway 20, the opposite end of the single runway, and asked the pilot's intention. Still unaware that they had passed the runway, the captain responded that they intended to land on runway 02. Seeing high terrain ahead of them, the pilot performed a sharp right-hand turn at extremely low altitude, and at one point they were only 175 feet above the ground. Bank angles topped 40 degrees. After flying to the west without spotting the runway, the captain admitted to the first officer that he had made a mistake and had become distracted by talking to her and then performed another steep right turn with bank angles as high now as 45 degrees and the descent rate of over 2,000 feet per minute. Something had gone seriously wrong in the captain's preparation and given his state of mind, it's very clear he had lost all semblance of mental faculties. Back at Kathmandu Airport, the ATC handed over to a senior member to try and clarify what was going on. Malasar 211, uh, Kathmandu, turn. Go ahead. Malasar 211, request your attention. 
I would like to land on the airport. Malasar 211 and confirm your VFR. Malasar 211 joined right downwind runway 20. Copied. As you heard there, the pilot confirms he has VFR. That means he's satisfied with visibility and he's not lost. Eventually, with air traffic controllers on the radio still trying to clarify where the aircraft was going and the plane flying in a southeasterly direction, the first officer spotted runway 20 at the aircraft's 3 o'clock position, about 2 nautical miles away. At this point, both the ATC and the crew appear confused about which runway Flight 211 is trying to approach. Join left, right, downwind, runway 02. I say in Bangladesh 212, traffic is on final, runway 02, landing for runway 02. Now they were very close to the runway. Instead of going around, the captain made a sharp and abrupt right turn to the west in an attempt to return to the approach end of the runway. Meanwhile, other flights were inbound. That was Buddha 282. Buddha 282, go ahead. The to land runway 02. Buddha 282, FM runway 02, clear to land. 02, clear to land, Buddha 282. Malasar 2-1-1, I say again, do not proceed towards runway 20. Clear to hold at your present position. Okay, we are making an orbit to the right. Copy. Tower 1-2-1-1, making a right hold wind, right holding for runway 02. Okay, that's good, but do not land. Traffic is on short final runway 02. We know that, sir. Cockpit. Let us know once we have get land. Brother, thank you, sir. Bravo Sierra 211 was now in no position to land on either runway, although the captain seemed to be sure he was going in anyway. But the experienced ATC realized that the aircraft was not lining up and offered vectors to assist navigation. Bangladeshar uh, 211, runway uh, clear to land and uh, runway is vacated, either runway 02 or 20. Confirm uh, vectors. Uh, sir, we would like to land on 20. Okay, runway 20, clear to land with uh, 270 degrees 6 knots. 2-6-0, The first officer told the captain she had the runway in sight. That didn't stop the captain from first saying he was going to land on runway 2-0, then flipped to 0-2. By now, the ATC appears resigned. Bangladesh 2-1-1. Turn right and uh, you have a runway... Confirm you have a runway north inside, yes? Affirmative, we have run says runway inside, requesting clear to land first. Everyone, Bangladesh 211, clear to land. Clear to land, runway 02, Bangladesh 212. Brother, runway 02, clear to land, Bangladesh 211. The aircraft overflew the end of runway 20 on a heading of 255 degrees, 450 feet above the ground turning left with a bank angle of 40 degrees, and the pilot still asking if he was clear to land. Are we clear to land? 
Alarmed by the actions of the aircraft, the air traffic controller hastily cancelled the flight's landing clearance. I say again, you could hear the controllers shouting in fear in the background as the aircraft flew over the airport's domestic passenger terminal less than 50 feet over the roof and the controllers in the tower ducked out of fear. The aircraft made another sharp turn to the right in an attempt to line up with the runway before touching down at an angle 5,600 feet or 1,700 meters deep with its right main landing gear. It began to bounce, skidded off the runway, slid for 300 meters, crashed through a fence and burst into flames on a nearby football field. The fuselage was engulfed in flames immediately and rescue workers rushed up. Fire trucks arrived within two minutes and the firefighters first had to put out a grass fire in their path before they could reach the aircraft. The fire at the crashed aircraft took 15 minutes to extinguish. The 22 passengers who'd survived the impact and subsequent fire were sent to local hospitals. Two of those died later of the injuries, including the captain. Those who survived were all on the right side of the plane. All on the left are believed to have been killed by impact forces, but the fire spread so rapidly that it trapped others. Most of the Nepalese killed in that crash were medical students who were returning home during a break from studies. At that time, it was the deadliest aviation disaster involving a Bangladeshi airline and the deadliest accident involving a Bombardier Dash 8 Q400. After the crash, the government of Nepal formed an Aircraft Accident Investigation Commission to determine the cause and the circumstances. This six-member commission was also assisted by Captain Saludin Rahmatullah, the head of the Aircraft Accident Investigation Group of the Civil Aviation Authority of Bangladesh, aided by a senior investigator for the Transportation Safety Board of Canada, Nora Valley. She was involved because the Bombardier is a Canadian plane. The commission reached a preliminary report on the 9th of April 2018, which included a brief synopsis of the accident, including the fact that the aircraft had touched down 1,700 meters along the runway 20, heading southwest before exiting the runway and crashing. Both the cockpit voice recorder and flight data recorders were recovered and analyzed. However, jumping the gun a bit and shortly after the crash, Bangladeshi Airlines made the somewhat farcical decision to publicly blame the Nepalese air traffic controller. That is not how it's done during an investigation, and in this case, that wasn't the main reason Flight Bravo Sierra 211 had an accident, although as we've heard, the ATC were under pressure. No, folks, the main reason, if you take a look at the cockpit voice recording transcription, was Captain Sultan's emotional state of mind. As a pilot, we're always extremely hesitant to blame the crew, which is often what aviation authorities do to duck responsibility. But the recording, I'm afraid, is pretty clear. And in the final accident report by the Civil Aviation Authority of Nepal, they state Captain Sultan allegedly made multiple abusive statements towards a young female pilot whom he had trained and who had questioned his reputation as an instructor. Whatever he did or didn't do, we will never know, but the effect caused an emotional outburst during the final phases of this commercial flight. That is unprofessional conduct. The captain kept up a running commentary about these allegations throughout the flight. It's recorded on the CVR. Things were so bad for him, he said, that a rumor had started at Bangla that he and this female trainee were engaging in an extramarital affair before her allegations he'd abused her surfaced, and this led to his resignation. As he spoke to his first officer aboard Bangla Bravo Sierra 211, the highly experienced Captain Sultan began to cry 
and apparently he was smoking in the flight deck. Then he wandered out aloud where he would be able to find another job. He also admitted he was so worried he had not slept for 24 hours. Surely, as a first officer by now, are you suggesting that you take over most of the actions on board this flight or flagging that the ongoing rambling could continue once they were on the ground, please? Well, that is precisely what Rashid's co-pilot was trying to do. She repeatedly deflected his personal soliloquy, asking operational questions in what appeared to be an attempt to refocus the captain's attention. The Bangladeshi representative on the investigation panel was critical of the report, of course, saying that it left out the fact that air traffic controllers at the airport did not execute their duties properly. It's true that the staff changed during the incident, as the junior air traffic controller was clearly flustered at times, but we all know that the captain is in command and can fix things that he or she believes are wrong. Aviate first, navigate and communicate later. Furthermore, Captain Sultan was clearly uncommunicative if you listen to the recordings I've just played you. The Bangladeshis pointed out that the controllers could have provided navigational assistance to the pilots once it became apparent that they were disorientated, but they did not. And had they done so, the Bangladeshis said the accident would have been averted. But then again, the Bangladeshis went on record first denying that this was the first officer's only flight into Kathmandu, which of course, it was her first. What were they thinking? Any basic investigation of the facts would have revealed that. What do you think? For those who aviate out there, it sometimes takes two to tango in these situations, but the lead dancer is always pilot in command. This is a case where the 25-year-old first officer was reluctant to be more assertive during the final approach and landing because of the captain's experience and authority. Both also appear to have lost situational awareness, and the crew failed to realize the flight had deviated from its intended path until it was too late. They missed the runway at Kathmandu's Tribhuvan International Airport and ended up flying towards mountains. By the way, in a somewhat tone-deaf response, the airline applied for resumption of this Kathmandu operation in September 2018, intending to resume flights in October, but a source inside the CAA Authority of Nepal said the approval would be highly unlikely. Shortly after the accident, a local news agency published a video taken by Kathmandu residents showing the plane flying very low in the vicinity of the airport. Then in early 2019, a second video surfaced on social media sites that showed CCTV footage from the airport. The second video showed the aircraft narrowly missing buildings and parked airplanes at the airport. That was in the last moments of the flight. These, I can tell you, are harrowing videos. If you haven't seen them, go search online for flight Bravo Sierra 211 and they'll pop up. Later, the airline offered to cover the hospital expenses of the injured survivors and pay $25,000 to the relatives of each of the passengers who died. The final investigation report released on 27 January 2019 concluded that pilot disorientation and a lack of situational awareness led to the crash. Listening to the cockpit voice recorder, it was clear to us the captain was under mental stress. This was another of those CRM disasters. Next episode, I'll cover Pan Am Flight 103, also called the Lockerbie Bombing. That is a suggestion by a few listeners, so thank you for the prompts. A bomb was placed on board Pan American World Airways Boeing 747 that exploded over Lockerbie in Scotland on December 21st, 1988. All 259 people on board were killed and 11 people on the ground. So until next, aviate, navigate and communicate safely, please. Goodbye.